Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Thank you for the very warm welcome. That was, that was nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good to see all your friendly faces again. Or, you know, half, half a face for now. Uh, but of course, if you're joining us online, thank you. Really good to have you as well. Uh, this morning, I want to take you back to my childhood. When I was a kid, many, many years ago, or you, I think I, I'm still a little bit young, so you know, a few years ago, I'm yeah, <laughs> I, I watched a movie when I was a kid, and it had this guy in it. Does anyone know what the movie was? Ah, oh, oh, there we go, The Swan Princess, that's right. And in this movie, the bad guy was able to transform into this giant flying creature, and so someone warned about him by saying, it's not what it seems. Today, we're going to discover some things that are not what they seem, such as nursery rhymes. So let's take, for example, Jack and Jill. We sing these, these little rhymes to our kids. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. So Jack has fallen down and broken his crown. Now, the crown could mean a crown on his head, or the crown could mean his head, Either way, he's fallen down and suffered significant trauma to his head. And then we've got Jill. She doesn't just, Jill doesn't just fall and you know, get a little ouchy on her knee. No, she falls down with such velocity that she's tumbling down after. So we're singing this little rhyme to our kids about two people suffering violent injuries to themselves. Or there's Rockabye Baby, which is it's about a baby in a cradle up in a tree, and the wind blows the cradle falls out of the tree, and of course the baby falls out of the tree. And we're singing this to our babies. <laughs> so not all nursery rhymes are as innocent as they may seem. Three, three blind mice, yes. Now, do we have any dog lovers in the room? Yeah? If you're a dog lover online, just type woof woof in the chat. Now, dogs do not drink the way that it seems. Because, you know, I thought dogs just drank like this. That's what you think, but have a look. The actual video didn't have sound. I decided to add some epic music to, for dramatic effect. I hope you, yeah, I hope you liked it. Now, I want to take you back to my early 20s. I was walking down the streets of Reesby Shops, which is nearby, and I hear a girl call out my name. And at first I ignored it because my name, Alex, is fairly common. But then she calls out to me again, and then I hear two other girls calling out my name. So I, I turn around. So I turn around, and sure enough, across the street, there are three girls calling out my name, waving excitedly at me. I, I had no idea who they were, but clearly they knew me, and I had made a good impression on them somewhere. So, so I say to myself, all right, here we go. These girls want a piece of me. So I, I puff out my chest, a, a big smile. I wave back, hey. As soon as I had done that, I hear a high-pitched voice behind me say, Oh, hey! Hey, guys! My stomach did a backflip as I realized that the girls had indeed been talking to another Alex who was standing right behind me. So I tell myself, play it cool, play it cool. I take out my phone, I pretend that I've received a message because I'm so important and popular, and I just walked as fast as I could into the nearest shop I could find. My little celebrity moment was not what it seemed. 
Today, I want to share with you a psalm that is not what it seems. It's, it's arguably the most well-known psalm. You've probably heard or read it before. It even inspired the starting lyrics to the rap song, Gangster's Paradise. Any of you familiar with that song? Yeah? It's very, it's very catchy, questionable lyrics. But I'm talking, of course, about Psalm 23. Turn with me to it in your Bibles, otherwise I will have it on the screen. Now, as I said, you've probably heard it, you've probably read it, but it's not what it seems. It's actually so much more. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is anyone familiar with this psalm? Yeah? It's a nice-sounding psalm, isn't it? I lack nothing. He refreshes me. I'll fear no evil. Your goodness will follow me. And who wrote it? David, yeah, the David that defeated Goliath, the David that became king over Israel. And so you might be thinking, well, anyone can write a nice-sounding psalm when your life has been as easy as David's was. There's a general consensus among Bible commentators that David wrote this psalm towards the end of his life. And so while, yes, David had indeed experienced many blessings of God, including the defeat of the giant Goliath, and becoming king over Israel and Judah, and winning many victories in battle, David had also experienced rejection from his brothers. He had also experienced having to run for his life from King Saul, who tried to kill him on many occasions, which then led to him having to live in the wilderness, in caves. He had to pretend to be insane so that he could live in his enemy's country. He also experienced the guilt of sleeping with his friend's wife, and then murdering that friend. One of his babies died. One of his daughters was sexually assaulted by one of his sons. And then one of his other sons killed that son. And then he was forced to leave his home and country a second time when one of his sons overthrew him and tried to kill him. And then in his old age, he, suffers, he suffered from what we understand to be hypothermia, where he was unable to feel warmth. So, Psalm didn't, so David didn't write Psalm 23 from a problem-free life of privilege and comfort, but from the midst of his struggles. David recognized that God's goodness, provision, love, and protection was always there, even in the struggles. David had been in many valleys of the shadow of death in his life, but he learned that even in those times when it seemed like he was alone, God, his shepherd, was with him. So if you feel like you're in a valley in your life right now, I'm speaking to you today. But maybe you don't feel like you're in a valley. Maybe you've never been in a valley in your life before. Well, I'm happy for you, but I'm also sorry to be the bearer of bad news because one day you will be in a valley. That's just how life goes. But you know what? I'm speaking to you as well today because you'll want to know who your shepherd is now, so that when you're in that valley, you know who to follow to lead you out of the valley. Yeah. 
so many times, or for some people all the time, we judge things, we judge situations, we judge people through the lens of our own experience. And when we read the Bible through the lens of our own experience, we miss so much of the power, so much of the meaning behind it. For example, most of us are not familiar with the life of a shepherd. So when we read, the Lord is my shepherd, we think, okay, so God likes to play with sheep? Or we read, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So we think, okay, he makes me lie down on someone's farmland? And while I'm sure that God enjoys spending time with sheep because he did create them, we miss so much of the meaning of the Bible when we don't delve deeper into the context. For this psalm, I've done the hours and hours of research for you. We, We only have time to cover a few of the things that I've found about this psalm. But I guarantee you, it's, it's going to be good. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23 is written from the perspective of a sheep. And David, who was a shepherd boy for many years of his life, knew all about the intricacies of shepherding sheep. Sheep which are helpless and so easily distracted and led astray. And here, David draws a parallel between a shepherd who cares for his sheep to God who cares for us humans who are so helpless and easily distracted and led astray. So everything we read in this psalm needs to be read from a sheep's perspective. Although David was king over Israel and Judah, he was aware that even he needed the Lord God to guide, protect, and even correct him, just as a shepherd does his sheep. David recognized that whether he was out in the wilderness tending to his sheep or sitting on the throne ruling Israel, God was still his shepherd. Whether out in the fields unknown and unrecognized or leading armies respected and feared, God was still his shepherd. Who is God to you? Is he your shepherd? Secular society tells us to follow money as your shepherd. Just get rich, get that financial wealth. Then you'll have everything you need. Or buy that new car, get that big house. Then you'll be happy. Or get married, then life will be complete. But no, Jesus and the Bible tell us to pursue God and he'll give you everything you need. Everything you need, not everything you want. Everything you need. In the same way, David is only able to say here that he lacks nothing because he pursues God as his shepherd. He makes me lie down. Now, I'm no shepherd, but in my research, I found that sheep will not lie down unless the shepherd meets the following four conditions. (laughs) Firstly, they have to be free from the fear of predators such as wolves. Secondly, they have to be free from flies or ticks. Thirdly, there has to be no social tension. Now, sheep, like many animals, have a social hierarchy. And this is such that the sheep at the higher end of the social order are able to choose the best patches of grass to eat and the best places on the ground to sleep. Now, they determine this order of social status by headbutting and shoulder-barging others. And so if a sheep is challenging another sheep's position in the hierarchy, this can cause social tension because sheep will not want to be lying down. They want to be standing up ready to defend against headbutts. Fourthly, 
a sheep will not lie down unless the shepherd ensures that it is not hungry. Now, how does this relate to us? Well, when we follow God as our shepherd, we can be at peace knowing that there is no problem too big for God, just like wolves might be to sheep. But at the same time, there is no problem too small for God to care about, just like flies and ticks might be to sheep. And when we follow God's example of humility and loving our enemies, we'll soon realize that we don't need to push others down in order to get ahead in life. Because God will elevate us to the position he wants us to be in, in his power and in his timing. And so in loving others, there won't be any social tension to rob us of our peace. And finally, going hand in hand with a good shepherd that provides for his sheep, God provides everything we need as long as we follow him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures, right? Wrong. This is the Western world's idea of a green pasture. But much of Israel is desert. Any flat land, any flat green land near the cities would have been used for growing grain. And so shepherds were forced to take their sheep far from the towns and cities, out into the wilderness and the desert and near the hills and, and in the mountains. So the scene that David writes about here actually looks like this. And the green pastures would have been these small tufts of grass that grow between rocks or on the side of mountains. What does this mean for us? Well, if the Lord, our God, our shepherd, led us to the green pastures of the Western world, why would we need to rely on him? We could ignore him. We could enjoy all the lush green grass all by ourselves. Often this is what many of us desire, to have such an abundance of financial wealth and good physical health and happy relationships so that we have no worries and we don't need to rely on God because we seemingly have everything we need already. Now, even if you don't consciously think like this, just take a quick two seconds to self-check now. Is this an underlying subconscious goal that you have? But when we realize that David's green pasture looks like this, we see that he's painting a picture where God, our shepherd, gives us as much as we need now. The sheep will eat a few tufts of grass, and then they'll look to the shepherd to lead them to the next tuft of grass. And so God shows us here that while God Sorry, David shows us here that while God gives us what we need today, tomorrow we need to look to God for what we need tomorrow. Our eyes and our hearts need to constantly be following God, our shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. During summer, some shepherds would take their sheep on long journeys to get to higher altitudes because as the weather warmed up, fresh green pastures could be found on the tablelands or flatlands high on the mountains. But in order to get to these higher altitudes, the sheep had to journey far from home, far from their comfort and familiarity of what they knew, deep into the desert. And in order to get to, to these tablelands on top of the mountains, they would need to walk through valleys. And valleys are walled in by a mountain on the left and a mountain on the right. And in the, sh in the shadows of these valleys, there would be predators like wolves lurking, waiting, watching to snatch up any stray sheep. Now, we all go through times in life that can honestly seem like a valley of the shadow 
of death, where you can't see anything good ahead of you, or you feel walled in or trapped, or you feel a constant uneasiness or doubts about, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right way? What if things don't work out? What if this never gets better? Maybe you feel isolated. Maybe there are a lot more rocks and a lot less grass than you would have liked in this valley. Or maybe you think, you know what? It would have been better if I just stayed back at home on my favorite patch of dirt next to my favorite rock. At least then I knew what to expect. Everyone's valley looks a little different. I've found myself in one of these valleys before. This is what my valley looked like. I had, it looked like the two closest groups of people in my life were against me. So the, with the one group, I wanted to do something to please them, but that would upset the second group. So I wanted to do something to upset the, the... Sorry, I wanted to do something to please the second group of people, but that would upset the first group. So I said, you know what? I'll compromise and I'll, make, I'll choose an option between the two. And then both groups got upset at me. <laughs> Sometimes our own decisions can lead us into a valley. Good decisions or bad decisions. But other times, God, our shepherd, leads us into a valley. Why would he do that? Let's look at when God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He did not take them on the shortest route to their destination. Exodus chapter 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. So God led the people the long way through the desert. He didn't do this because he's cruel and angry and likes to watch people suffer. No, he did it because the faith of the Israelites was not ready yet. The people weren't ready to go the short way. Their hearts were not yet committed to God. If you read the rest of the story in Exodus, you'll see that instead of the Israelites thanking God and praising God for saving them out of slavery and providing them food and water and safety in the desert, instead they complained that there wasn't enough variety in their food. And then instead of going and conquering and occupying the nations that God told them to, they feared those nations. And then they even made an idol of a cow and worshipped it instead of worshipping God. So consequently, it took many, many years before the people of Israel were ready to go and conquer and occupy the land that God had promised them. So if you've been questioning why you're work, walking in circles in this desert patch, of your life, or if you're wondering, why am I here in this valley when I was trying to get to the mountain? Maybe you're not quite as ready for the mountain as you think you are. Ask God what he wants you to learn here in this desert to equip you to conquer the land that he's waiting to give you. Ask God what mindsets, what attitudes, what habits is he wanting to change in order to prepare you for the journey up the mountain. When you're in a valley, it's all too easy to focus just on how terrible it feels to be in the valley. It can feel like you're alone, you've got a mountain of wall on your left, a wall of mountain on your left, a wall of mountain on your right. You can't turn left, you can't turn right. 
It feels like the only option is to walk further into the valley. You know, I feel a bit sorry for valleys because they always seem to get a bad rap. They're always portrayed as that thing that you wish you didn't have to go through or that challenge you wish you didn't have to face. But I'm here to tell you today that it's not what it seems. Valleys actually aren't as bad as you may think. Listen to this. In the valley, every step forward you take brings you closer to the mountaintop. And you know what? Due to their location between tall mountains on either side, valleys are actually protected from fierce winds and storms. And even though it might feel good to be at the top of a mountain, when it rains, and this is the best part, when it rains, the water runs down the mountain, and where does it end up? In the valley. Green pastures and quiet waters can be found in the valley. It's not what it seems. Going back to my story, when I was in that valley, I was telling God, I'm doing my best to love everyone, and they're still upset at me. With the benefit of hindsight, I can now see that God did indeed lead me to water in that valley, because my mindset is now very different. And so if I was in that situation today, my thoughts would not be stressing about how to please everyone or getting frustrated about why people are still upset at me. But rather, my thoughts would be, if I'm doing my best to love God and love people, then if you're upset with that, I'm sorry, I still love you, but I'm here to please God and no one else. So let me ask you this. In this valley that you're in right now, what is the water that God is leading you to? What new thing is he trying to teach you? What is he wanting to change in your mindset to strengthen you to get ready to climb the mountain? God, our shepherd, can lead you safely through the valley, through the difficulty, to the quiet waters, but he will not force you to drink the water that you need to get up the mountain. He gives you the free will to choose to either drink the water and learn the lesson and get equipped for the climb up the mountain, or you can choose to wander around in circles through this valley, tired and thirsty. You decide whether the difficulty will defeat you or develop you. I'll say it again. You decide whether the difficulty will defeat you or develop you. I will fear no evil. David wrote, I will fear no evil. He didn't write, I will never face difficulty, or nothing will ever go wrong in my life, or I will fear no evil because God takes away everything that's causing me to fear. No, he wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I've just lost my job, even though I'm going through, through this health crisis, even though the people closest to me are against me, even though I can't even forgive myself for some of the things I've done. David recognizes that the absence of fear is not dependent on the absence of problems. But how do we reconcile the words, I will fear no evil, with the fact that evil things may still happen to us? Because people may still attack us physically, People will likely attack us mentally and emotionally by lying to us or trying to manipulate us. But
But remember, David isn't saying that evil will never happen to him. He's saying that he will not fear any evil. When we couple this with what Paul teaches us in Romans 8:28, which says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things God works for the good of those who love him. Then we can begin to understand that even though evil may happen to us, we don't need to fear that it's happening for no reason or that evil has won, but rather we can rest in peace knowing that God can make something good out of it. Now, we don't know what that good will look like. It could be good for you, like how I developed a better mindset after going through my valley, or it could be good for someone else, because someone might be going through the valley one day, the same valley that you're going through now, and so they can learn from the example that you set. Whatever you're facing, remember that you always have a choice as to how to respond to your situation. You can choose to fear what might go wrong, or what people might think, or what people might say. And by choosing to allow your thoughts to focus on this and allow your actions to be dictated by this, you would be choosing to stay stuck in the valley. Or you can choose to focus on the fact that God is with you and you can find the water in the valley and you can start climbing up the mountain. You decide whether the difficulty will defeat you or develop you. You are with me. Check this out. This, this, is, this is one of my favorite ones. It's going to be quick because we're, we're almost finished. But look, if you're a grammar buff like me, you'll like this one. It's in this darkest part of the psalm, when David is in the valley of the shadow of death, that his language changes from third person to second person. In other words, David goes from talking about God The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes. He guides. David goes from talking about God to talking to God. You are with me. Your rod. Your staff. So if it seems like you're in this valley alone, it's not what it seems. Maybe you just need to go from knowing about God to talking to God who is with you, walking alongside you, personally leading you through the valley. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now remember, Psalm 23 needs to be read from the perspective of a sheep. And earlier I spoke about shepherds taking their sheep during summer to table lands high on the mountains. I believe that the table that David speaks of here in verse 5 are these very table lands. Before leading the sheep up onto the tablelands, the shepherd would first prepare the area himself. He would go there, he would remove poisonous weeds, he would check for any signs of predators, he would remove sticks, rocks, other debris from the drinking places. Now the wolves and the other predators were always watching, always waiting, lurking for a chance to snatch up any stray sheep. And so the main way that the shepherd prevents these attacks is by doing all of his preparations of the tablelands in full view of the predators. In other words, the shepherd prepares the table for the sheep in the presence of the sheep's enemies. And the the reason that this is a way to protect the sheep is because the predators know that they cannot successfully attack the sheep 
if the shepherd is there protecting them. Now, you may have many enemies, but our greatest enemy is Satan. And he, just like the wolves, cannot take you down if you're under the protection of God, your shepherd. So not only is God, who is your shepherd, with you in the presence of your enemies, but you are safe from your enemies because he is with you. There's so much more I wanted to share with you about this psalm, like how the oil refers to the shepherd putting olive oil on the sheep's head to prevent flies from laying eggs in the sheep's nose. And so David shows us here how the Lord, our shepherd, gives us careful attention and personal protection, just as a shepherd personally rubs oil on his sheep's head. But through what I've shared with you today about things not being what they seem, I hope I've highlighted two things for you. Firstly, God is with you. Not only in the green pastures and beside the quiet waters, but in the valley of the shadow of death and when you're surrounded by enemies. Even when you feel alone or if it seems like no one understands you or no one cares for you, God is with you, leading you, guiding you, pulling out weeds ahead of you, even if you really wanted to eat those weeds. He's protecting you. He's preparing things ahead of you. And he's personally caring for you. Even if you don't see it, even if it doesn't seem like it, change your perspective because God is with you. And secondly, you decide whether the difficulty will defeat you or develop you. Even though the valley is not a smooth path, nor the same grass that you used to back home, even if it seems like the only things in this valley are fear and struggles, regret, shame, death, there is water in the valley, but you need to choose to drink it. And you won't make it out of this valley unless you follow the right shepherd and you take that next step forward and then that next step forward. You decide whether the difficulty will defeat you or develop you. Maybe you don't know Jesus today, or maybe you once knew him, but since then you've been following other shepherds. I want to tell you today that that's okay, because it's not too late to follow the right shepherd. He's been waiting for you. If this is you today, please come up and talk to me after the service, or please come up for prayer after the service, and I'd love to invite the prayer team to come up now. But, or even if you're online, please click the request prayer button. Just don't leave here today without knowing who your good shepherd is. Don't leave here without knowing the shepherd that saved you, cares for you, loves you more than you could ever know. Don't leave here and go back to wandering in circles in the valley. There is so much more to life when you follow the right shepherd. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that, that not only in the green pastures are you with us, but even in the valleys of the shadow of death, you are with us still. God, remind us of that. Remind us that it doesn't matter how much money we have or what we've done or who we know or who we don't know, what we've lost. God, we thank you that no matter what our circumstance or our past, that you are with us. God, that we can always choose to follow you no matter where we are. 
Lord, give us, give us the wisdom to make that choice. And Lord, when we are in those valleys, help us to do whatever it takes to make sure that that difficulty will develop us, not defeat us. Help us to choose to drink the water that's in the valley that you're leading us to. Help us to recognize that this valley is not forever. You don't want us to stay in this valley. You want us to equip ourselves for the climb up the mountain. So God, help us to make the right decision there. And Lord, we thank you that when we follow you, the right shepherd, we have freedom from our past and we have a purpose for our future. In Jesus' powerful name, I pray. Amen. Thank you to those joining us online today. We're going to say bye to you. And for everyone else here, thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.